Can Brandon Nimmo become more of a run producer for the Mets in 2024? I'm going to break down how I believe he can still evolve on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, I'll be discussing Brandon Nimmo and how he has evolved throughout his career and how he needs to continue to evolve for the New York Mets to get the most out of their teams moving forward in the first segment. I'll talk about what's happened up to this point, his steady offensive production. In the second segment, I want to talk about some improvements he's made in the power department and how he needs to continue to build on that moving forward. And then the final segment, I'll really look at the future of Brandon Nimmo with the Mets, potential move out to left field, potential move down in the lineup, and how the young prospects that eventually come up could complement Nimmo in the future. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers who join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, I have a mind-blowing stat about Brandon Nemo, one that will show you how unbelievable this dude has been offensively throughout his career. And it's been a long journey to get to this point, but Nimmo is underrated, and I think this stat really articulates it. So I was writing an article breaking down the top 10 players in the National League East. And what I found was if you look at weighted runs creative plus, Brandon Nimmo has had more seasons of a 130 WRC plus than almost any player in the National League East. Now, what does that mean? I, I cite this stat a lot, right? WRC plus, it's just like OPS plus. It is an all-encompassing offensive metric that measures hitters on a league average of 100. So if a player has a 105 WRC plus, he's 5% better than your league average hitter. If it's a 95 WRC plus, he's 5% worse. Brandon Nimmo in 2018, which was his first real coming out party season, you know, where he played 140 games, hit 17 home runs, got on base at a 404 clip. A great year, almost a five-win season. He had a 148 WRC plus, 48% better than your league average hitter. 2019, deals with injuries. 2020, COVID-shortened year. No one takes too much from that, but he still hit 280, got on base at a 404 clip and put up a 149 WRC plus. 2021, only makes it on the field for 92 games. Still hit 292, still got on base over a 400 clip and put up a 135 WRC+. plus In the last two years, remarkably consistent, has stayed on the field, has kept his on-base percentage in the 360 range, has hit exactly 274 in each of the last two years, and his WRC+, plus was 133 in 2022, and 130 in 2023. Now, that is five seasons in his career where Brandon Emma has finished the season with a WRC+, plus of at least 130. There's a lot of star players in the National League East. In my article, 
There's Ronald Cooney Jr. that I rank in there. There's Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Pete Alonzo, Lindor. A lot of guys who are great talents in this division. How many do you think have at least five seasons where they've finished with a WRC plus of at least 130? Only one. That's Bryce Harper, who's done it eight times. Guy who's on a Hall of Fame track. You can argue a first ballot Hall of Fame track if you want to. Brandon Nemo has been a great hitter for pretty much his entire career, and we don't give him that credit because the injuries kept him off the field. Because the injuries in 2019 limited his production, and he hit only 221. And that was fresh off of the great 2018 season. And then 2020, we forget how good he was because everyone throws the numbers out that year. In 2021, couldn't stay on the field. Well, guess what? The last two years, this guy has been able to produce and produce at a great level offensively. And what we also see from Brandon Nemo is a steady evolution of his game. You know, 2022, he became the perfect embodiment of a leadoff hitter. Now, a guy that saw a lot of pitches, he did that his whole career. But to be a leadoff hitter on a really good team, what they needed to do, they needed him to score runs. He scored 102 runs that year. Just a great season. Didn't strike out a lot. Walked a ton like he always does. Hit for a high average. And also evolved defensively. Made himself a really good defensive center fielder. He gets the bag. He gets the eight-year contract. The nine-figure deal. Locked up to be a forever Met. And there's a lot of pressure in that. And he goes out the next year and pretty much remains status quo. At least when you look at overall production, to hit for the same average, to get on base at the same clip, to play basically the same amount of games. But that also discounts what he did to evolve last year and what he's been doing to evolve year over year. He had 16 home runs in 2022. 2023, he hit 24 home runs and showed a level of power that know, gives you a, a lot of hope for the future because now Brandon Nemo is moving into a corner likely. Harrison Bader is a stopgap, but there are kids coming. We'll talk about them in the final segment today. That will probably push him to what's likely to be his long-term home in left field. And in left field, you want some power there. And now Brandon Nemo is setting himself up to be able to provide that. What he did when I'm looking at the batted ball data last year is so impressive. The way he hit the ball harder, found the barrel more, you know, got himself into those counts and was able to leverage his ability to get those good pitches and know when it's time to ambush and look to put a ball in the seats. If he can continue to build on that evolution and learn to be less of a table setter and more of a run producer, He's just going to become that much more valuable to the Mets. And that's what I want to discuss next. I want to go through first the batted ball data and that steady improvement he made last year. And then also look at where he came up short and what he has to do to change and how the Mets might have to use him differently. So I'm going to go through all of that in the next segment. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Factor. How would you like to reinvigorate your diet with amazing meals that are super easy to prepare? I know personally, that's what I was looking for about a month ago. I was sick of cooking and sick of cooking the same thing. And so 
I wanted to find something easier. And Factor has been able to deliver for me. It's ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You can cut out the prep work, the cooking fatigue, all of it. Instead, you get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals that are delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week. And there's keto options, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, whatever your diet, they have something for you. And they are ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. You can have a plan from four meals a week to 18 meals a week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is the perfect thing to fit into your schedule, and there's so many different options you can choose from, so you can always change things up. If you want to try Factor today, head to factormeals.com slash LockedOnMLB50. You're going to use the code LockedOnMLB50, and you'll get 50% off. That's code LockedOnMLB50 at factormeals.com slash LockedOnMLB50 to get 50% off your first order. Last season, Brandon Nimmo put up a career-high 24 home runs, which begs the question, was that a one-year outlier or was that a sign of things to come? I personally believe that is what we're going to see moving forward. 20-plus home runs and a chance for even more in the tank. I think that it's not outside the realm of possibility that Brandon Nimmo puts up a 30-home run season at some point in the next three years. I really think he can tap into even a little bit more. Because this is a guy, for one, that has always just been able to evolve. He's clearly a tireless worker. And he is one of the best examples of Met scouting over the past decade. I mean, we have to really appreciate the draft pick that was Brandon Nimmo. Kid who couldn't play high school baseball in Wyoming. We've all heard the the stories. Only could play Legion ball. You know, the highest draft pick ever out of his state. How did the Mets find this kid? You know, there was outrage. You know, who is Brandon Nemo? Why did the Mets draft him in the first round? And then I always felt like he was overshadowed by Michael Conforto. And, and I, to be completely honest, was a victim of this. I am a huge Conforto fan because I remember in 2015, uh, you know, I live in South Florida. I was, was in Miami. It's a big ballpark. And I watched Michael Conforto take batting practice in his rookie year. And he hit the same seat in the upper deck at Lone Depot Parker. Then it was Marlins Park. The same seat or within the same row of seats, like five times in a row. And I was just like, this swing is unbelievable. He was the college player uh, that you know was able to ascend quickly. And he had a huge role in that team. And he, he I think, got a lot of attention. And Nimmo was the guy that almost got traded, right? He almost got traded for Jay Bruce. and Man, what a horrible deal that would have been. And the guy that couldn't stay healthy and didn't have the home runs and you know was a, a natural center fielder coming up, but we didn't think he could play the position. But you look at what he's done. He just year over year continues to make himself a better baseball player. And last year was the perfect example of that because you look at everything in the batted ball data. He hit the ball harder than he ever has. His hard hit percentage was 47.9%. For his career, it's been 41%. In 2022, it was 39.8%. His career high was all the way back in 2018 when he was 25 years old. It was at 42.6%. 
So even a 5% jump from his best season and, you know, an 8% jump from the year prior, that's pretty significant. And you look at his max exit velocity, 112 miles per hour, career high. His average exit velocity, though, 91.8%. For his career, his average exit velocity was 89.8%. So he added two miles per hour on his average exit velo. This was not some accident that Nemo just happened to run into 24 home runs. This was a concerted effort to add more power to his game. And it paid off in a big way. So if he's able to hit for more power, He's able to hit 25 home runs a season while getting on base at a 360 clip. For one, the guy is going to provide great value on that contract, regardless of what position he's playing. But I do believe there's more. And I do think that he has to rewire his brain a bit for his role. And the Mets have to help him with that. And I do wonder if they should take him out of the leadoff spot. As good of a leadoff hitter as he is, you're looking at a guy who last year was probably their third best source of power. Alvarez hit more home runs, but I'd say he could have been the third best run producer on the team behind Alonzo and Lindor because, you know, he hit 274 compared to Alvarez who, you know, struggled to keep his average over the Mendoza line for a lot of the year. And he, he works better counts. If this guy was able to be in a position where there was runners on base for him more, he could drive in more runs. Last year, despite hitting 24 home runs, he had 68 RBIs. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. Did not hit well with men in scoring position. Is that because he doesn't see it often? Or is that something he has to work on? And maybe you know he can develop that skill more if he's in more of a run-producing spot in the lineup. When the bases were empty last year, Brandon Nemo hit 272. With 19 of his you know, 24 home runs. With men on base, he hit five home runs, but only two of them with men in scoring position. So 22 of those 24 home runs came with either nobody on base or a guy on first. Runners on, the you know, power wasn't quite there. Sometimes that's good, though. You know, sometimes when a runner's in scoring position, you want to get a base knock, but his average was 245 with men in scoring position. It was 272 with the bases empty and 276 with men on base. So man on first base. So to me, I look at these numbers and I think that he needs to improve in that area. He needs to hit better with runners in scoring position. Let me actually pull up what he did in 2022. Cause I don't want to look at a one year sample and knock the guy. Let's see if there was an issue last year or in 2022. It was not okay. 2022 to his credit, he had a 317 batting average with runners in scoring position. So it could have just been a one-year thing. But that's something he has to improve. And I think the Mets have to consider. I almost knocked over my glass of water. If you watch that on YouTube, I'm sure you saw the panic across my face as I thought my water was going to spill across my keyboard. Uh, but if Brandon Nimmo was in a you know, the three spot in the lineup, let's just say. I remember one year. Uh, I don't know if other Mets fans remember this, where Jerry Manuel said, we're going to bat Jose Reyes third because he's our best hitter or whatever it was. And then to get a thyroid condition, he never I don't know if he ever ended up in that three-hole much. Um, but I do think there could be a case to put Nemo third in the lineup, to bat Nemo in front of Alonzo, to maybe bump Lindor behind Alonzo even. 
and change up that lineup completely. Maybe bat Jeff McNeil leadoff. Or in the future, you're going to have some hitters coming up that have a lot of speed. And long term, who do I think should be the leadoff hitter of the New York Mets? Personally, I think there's going to be a day where there's a hitter that's going to come up that has incredible plate discipline with a ton of speed and the ability to walk you know, in the first inning, steal second, maybe even steal third. A guy whose name matches his wheels, and I'm talking about Jet Williams. There's also Drew Gilbert. There's also Luis Angel Acuna. There's a lot of players who profile as table setters, who profile as guys that are going to provide great defense up the middle, who are going to take on a role that Brandon Nimmo was thrust into because the Mets had nobody that fit that that capacity, nobody who could be the starting center fielder, nobody who was a great leadoff hitter. And so Nimmo was able to mold himself to what the team needed. I think this year and moving forward, they need Brandon Nimmo to produce more runs. They need Brandon Nimmo to continue to tap into that power and see if he can mess around and hit 30 bombs. Not screw up his on-base, screw up his average, but within the confines of the game with, with you know, prioritizing the right pitches to ambush, continuing to develop that power. And again, maybe it is a change in the lineup that helps him unlock all these things. I don't know if it happens this year, so that's what I want to talk about. Where will Nimmo hit this season? How should the Mets construct their lineup? But also moving forward, how does Nimmo have to continue to evolve his game to match what this team needs? So we'll go through all that in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it's about grabbing that great seat on the couch, having all the best appetizers, those Super Bowl snacks, maybe some nachos, some wings, uh, some chips and dips, so many different uh, types of food. But also, there's a big part of Super Bowl Sunday. That's placing those super bets. Whether you like to bet on every prop, from the coin toss to the length of the national anthem to the color of the Gatorade uh, for the winning team, all that good stuff. Or if you're just going to bet on you know who's going to win the game, you're simple. For the over-under points, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end this season with a W or maybe two Ws or three Ws. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers who join today, will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports board partner of the NFL. This week, we are having another giveaway. It is a signed photo of Lucas Duda. If you want to enter for a chance to win, you have to be part of our Locked On Mets Insider community through subtext. This is where you can go for all of our giveaways throughout the season, but it's also where I can set updates anytime something breaks on the Mets, anytime I have a cool stat like that one I opened the show with about Brandon Nemo having that 130 WRC plus in five seasons and how no other player in the NL East has done that but Bryce Harper. The insiders got that stat early Monday morning. So it integrates you with the show a little bit more. You can ask me questions anytime. I'm always open to answering there. 
It's the best way to reach me. So if you want to be part of the Locked On Mets Insider Community, you can find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now, if the Mets were to change up their lineup this year, who would bat lead off if not for Brandon Nimmo? Who, who else is going to fill that void? To me, the guy that could absolutely do it is Jeff McNeil. And part of me wonders if that would be a good way to change things up for McNeil as well. Because if you don't bat McNeil one, where you bat him? I think the Mets have really relied on McNeil to you know, hit anywhere in the lineup. You know, some days batting two, some days batting six, sometimes he's batting eighth. And they're just moving him all over the place. And that can be good. He sort of functions as a utility player on the field and in the lineup in that way where he can play all over and he can hit all over. But I do wonder if he had just a season where it's like, all right, our best batting average guy is going to set the table as the leadoff hitter. What would he do? We haven't seen it in a while, but in the one season where he got over 400 plate appearances as a leadoff hitter, which was in 2019, he had 16 home runs out of the leadoff spot. That was due to the juice ball a little bit. But he hit 320 as a leadoff hitter. So I think he could fill that role for a season here. And if you have McNeil batting one, if Starling Marte is healthy and producing this year, you can bat him too. That is two high average guys. They're not two not too high on base guys necessarily. So I get that concern. But also I think that you know you'll have enough traffic on the base with those guys. And the middle of your lineup has your best hitters. Lindor, Alonzo, Nimmo, or Nimmo, Alonzo, Lindor. I also could see the Mets if Marte is not healthy or if they just don't want to put him up in the lineup again. Put all your best hitters as early in the lineup as possible. Get these guys the most at-bats. Who are your best three hitters on this team? Personally, I think when they're at their best, Jeff McNeil probably is in that conversation. And then it's probably Brandon Nemo and Pete Alonso, and then Lindor's maybe your fourth best hitter when everyone's at their best. Lindor you know, gives you a little bit of everything to be able to produce the home runs, the steal bases. You know, he's really good. He's a really good run producer. Like he has that knack to drive in that runner from second to get the sacrifice fly that I think Nemo and McNeil lack at times. But that also profiles him to be a cleanup hitter for this team and to be the guy that does protect Pete Alonso. And I don't know how much the Mets have to sort of, you know, put Lindor in the three-hole. Like, I don't know if there's any ego there where that's something that um, would affect him if he wasn't there. But I do think if you were to bat McNeil, Nemo, Alonzo, Lindor, that would be a great lineup. If you were to bat McNeil, Marte, Nemo, Alonzo, Lindor, you know, I think that would be something that would help the Mets in a lot of ways because, again, going through those numbers, Brandon Nimmo statistically has been consistently the best hitter on this team. It doesn't feel like that because Pete Alonso you know, drives in the most runs or Jeff McNeil won a batting title or Lindor does a little bit of everything. But year over year, the guy who, when graded on that even scale of WRC+, he's the dude that puts up the best numbers. He's the one that hits for a high average. He's going to hit 270. He's going to get on base at a 360 clip, and now he can hit you 24 home runs. So I think a move down the lineup might help, and I don't know if it happens this year, 
But in the future, I want to see Jet Williams in that leadoff spot. I really do. I want to see if Acuna can get on base at a good clip. See his speed atop that lineup. See those guys setting the table. Kind of going back to the good old 1986 days, right? With Mookie and Lenny Dykstra. You know, have those speedsters up there early in the lineup. I love to see the Mets go a little bit old school in that way. And I think Brandon Nimmo with his added power is suited to move to the middle of the lineup a little bit. He also has to move to play left field. I think his defense is going to play up and left, actually. I was a little bit torn on that move because he's worked so hard to be a center fielder. But I think of the long-term vision of the New York Mets. This year, you got Harrison Bader. He's going to provide great value defensively in center field. I don't know what he's going to do offensively. But if he's healthy, he'll at least give you that. He's going to save a lot of runs for you. So having Bader in center with his arm and with his range, that's the best thing for this team. So in those situations, Brennan Nemo is in left field. And that helps his lack of an arm. And I do think he'll be really solid out there. If you look at ultimate zone rating, which isn't everything, it's just one defensive statistic. But the last three years, in his limited sample size in left field, he's been unbelievable in a stat called UZR, which is the ultimate zone rating, over 150. So that's per 150 defensive games. Now, it's taking a small sample size. But his ultimate zone rating has been 15, 21.2, 17.7. In center field, it's over a larger sample size, 6.2, minus 0.2, minus 2.6. So I think even his range will play off. Sometimes the reads are different, of course. It might be easier to read the ball in center field in some respects. But I think for Brandon Nimmo, long-term left field is going to be his home because you're not going to waste Jet Williams' athleticism in left. If he's in outfield, he's going to be in center. Drew Gilbert is a great defensive center fielder. If he's up and he could be up this season – you want to see him out there in center. If Acuna has to play the outfield, you want to see his speed in center. So I think Nimmo's going to be a left fielder long-term, and I think some of these young kids could eventually be that leadoff hitter table setter that's going to push him from that spot as well. So a continued evolution for Brennan Nimmo is only going to make this team better. And with what he's done year over year, I expect to see that. I expect Nimmo to continue to adjust and be that glue piece that, that keeps this team together. And we'll talk about it at a later date. This isn't the time to talk about where he's going to rank among all-time Mets. But the fact that he has this contract is producing in this way. I said it when they signed him. There's a good chance that one day nine is hanging uh, out there in left field on the rafters, so to speak. Um, is there rafters in a ballpark? Maybe not. That That's more a basketball thing. But th- there's a chance that, that Nibble's number nines retired one day. He could be one of the best Mets ever. Um, he's got a long way to go, but you know, it, the seeds are there for it to really happen for him. He could be the captain of this team, really. I, I can see him taking that leadership role. So we'll see how Nemo does this season, but I think he is really uh, one of the most important pieces to what the Mets are not only doing this season, but clearly long-term. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. I really appreciate all of you who tuned in. If you're listening on the audio side, Make sure you follow, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, appreciate all of you. Hit that subscribe button. Trying to get to 8,000 subs by opening day. We're about 200 away, so appreciate all of you who hit that subscribe. You can follow my work on Twitter at Ryan. 
follow the show at Locked On Mets. Uh, and if you want to be a Locked On Mets insider for the giveaway, you can find the link in the episode description. Now that you made it to the end of the show, head over to Locked On Sports Today, the first ever 24-7 streaming channel covering everything in the world of sports with our local experts from each team and our league-wide experts from each league. Find Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.